she just slept so sound 1986 that wish came around Well it came from the east just as bright as a torch Saw it in the sky from her daddy's porch Heavenly scent as it was back then When Hallie came to Lone Pine in 1910 When Hallie came to Lone Pine in 1910 When Hallie came to Lone Pine in 19. You are listening to kppglive.com on the internet and 89.9 FM in the Owens Valley, brought to you by Metabolic Studio. The IOU Theater of Lone Pine, California, normally broadcasts from the Owens Lake Pagan at the historic Double L Saloon. Today, we bring you a special broadcast from the historic Alpine Elementary School in Little Rock, California, in Antelope Valley. For over 100 years, Owens Valley has been tapped to make the city of Los Angeles possible. So from LA to the Owens Valley, we know, we owe you. As an act of reconciliation from LA, the IOU Theater joins the IOU Garden, located next door to the Double L in Lone Pine, California, a community resource center, growing food and making soil on DWP land since 2011. The IOU Garden features Owen's Dry Lake Bread. We turn the dry lake dust into stoves into Lowe's. Stop by the IOU Garden on Main Street in Lone Pine and sign up for your bread shares today. The Metabolic Soil Project, turning capital into dirt since 2010. We spread the best dirt all around the valley from Melancha to Mustang Mesa. A locally grown farmer's market on alternating Fridays the 100 Conversations About Water series, leaking the latest news on water issues in Owens Valley and beyond. IOU Theater is powered by jitters from IOU Espresso, served in the IOU Garden before every show. Tonight, the DuPont Company brings you Man Against the Mountain, starring Chester Morris on the Cavalcade of America. But first, here's Gain Whitman. Chemical Science has provided NANTU, A-N-T-U, a better poison for the common rat. A few ten thousandths of an ounce will kill a rat. Rat poisons containing NANTU are therefore more effective and easy to use. Your dealer has or can readily secure for you a reputable brand containing Antu, which gives good results as a bait or as a tracking poison. Bear in mind, of course, it is a poison and pets and animals should be kept away from it. If you would like a free copy of a 12-page illustrated booklet, How to Get Rid of Rats, Right to the DuPont Company, Department A, Wilmington, Delaware. And two is one of the DuPont Company's better things for better living through chemistry. And now, Chester Morris as Gustav Marsh in Man Against the Mountain on the DuPont Cavalcade of America. 
Did your husband go up that mountain alone, Elizabeth? No, Aunt Hitty. Gus took a ranger and a photographer with him. Well, he better be getting back. There's another one of them storms brewing up there. When Whitney's in that mood, it ain't safe. Aunt Hitty, you talk as though the mountain were alive. Mountains don't have moods. Whitney does. It's vicious, I tell you, Elizabeth. It ain't just a mountain, it's a devil. Killed my own husband. Caught him in an avalanche at a time of year when there ain't avalanches, and my man wasn't the only one. I tell you, Elizabeth, if Gustav keeps going up that mountain, sooner or later, it'll get him. of Lone Pine, California, dusk comes unnaturally early, for directly to the west, burying itself almost 15,000 feet against the sky, is the towering bulk of Mount Whitney, highest peak in the United States. Because of its avalanches and the fierce electrical storms which swept down from its peaks and engulfed them, the villagers of Lone Pine regarded Mount Whitney as a malignant force bent on their destruction. Then in August 1903, Gustav Marsh, a newcomer to Lone Pine who had no superstitious fear of the mountain, set out to conquer it. Elizabeth. Gus, oh dear Gus, I'm so glad you're back. Oh, hello darling, how are you? How's the baby? Fine, everything's fine now that you're back. You got here just in the nick of time, Gustav. The storm's gonna hit here any minute. <laughs> well, we've been racing it all the way down. Tell me, Gus. I found what I was looking for. Are you sure? Oh, positive. Now we can go ahead and make that mountain earn its keep. What are you talking about, Gus? <laughs> what I'm always talking about. Mount Whitney. I'm going to put that mountain to work, Aunt Hitty. Don't talk like that, Gus. The mountain kill you for sure. Well, maybe it will, Aunt Hitty, but if it kills me, There'll be others to push the job through. Hey, what are they doing? Where are they going? Oh, I mean, I don't know what they're doing. They That's better. Now, I don't know the reason for this town meeting any more than you do. Gus Marks asked me to call it. And Gus will have to do the explaining. Okay, Gus. She's all yours. Oh, thanks, thanks, Bert. <laughs> I didn't give you folks much notice about this meeting tonight. I, I couldn't. If we're going to do what I hope you'll agree to do, we'll have to start work right away. What is it? What you got in mind, Gus? Building a trail up the east slope of Mount Whitney. A trail up the east slope? How far up? Oh, all the way. Clear to the top. That's yeah. impossible. Oh, Come on. Nobody's ever reached the top from this side. Oh, it can be done. Uh, Ed Cross and Fred Spears, they'll bear me out on that. They went along with me on this last trip. We climbed to 13,000 feet, took pictures, drew maps, and we found a way to reach the summit from the east slope. Have to get up there. What good'll do you? Well, I was coming to that. I want to put Mount Whitney to work. Useful work. 
You stayed up on that mountain too long, Gus. Make a mountain work. No, wait a minute, boys. If we build a trail up the east slope, the kind of trail I have in mind, one that can be traveled safely by men who, who aren't mountaineers, Mount Whitney will work for us. You mean it'll draw tourists? Well, it may, but I was thinking of scientists. Scientists? <laughs> scientists? Yes, scientists. Whitney's the highest spot in the United States, the best place in the country for scientists to study the atmosphere, and uh, observe the stars, and carry on experiments. Can't you just see a long-haired college professor lugging a telescope up Mount Whitney? <laughs> right. He wouldn't have to, my friend, if there was an observatory already up there. Observatory? <gasps> what they gonna observe? What do you mean, observatory? Well, that's my dream. An observatory, equipped with all the latest scientific apparatus atop Mount Whitney. But... The first step is a trail. Be a son of a gun of a job, wouldn't it? To build the kind of trail like you're talking about. Well, it won't be any picnic. It costs a lot of money, too. And, and what'd Lone Pine get out of it? Well, uh, if tourists did start coming here, we'd all profit from it. And we'd all have the satisfaction of having giving something to the country. Something that no other village, no other group of men and women could give. That ain't enough for me. Quiet, Jerry! How much do you think that trail's gonna cost to build? Well, I don't know, Tom, but if we all go into this together, whatever it takes, we can raise it. Well, I'll start you off with five dollars. You can put me down for five, too. There's over 300 people in Lone Pine. If each of them donated five dollars, it wouldn't be a drop in the bucket. I told you to shut up. Now shut up or get out. Let him alone, Tom. Yeah. He's right. Jeez, Tom. There isn't enough money in Lone Pine to pay for building that trail. We'll have to build it ourselves. Hacking out of the mountain with our own sweat and blood. Think it over, but think fast because this is August and we have only a few weeks to work. Elizabeth, I have to be getting up the mountain. Are the men still as enthusiastic about building the trail, Gus? <laughs> You'd think it was their idea. A few more days, a week at the most, and we should be at the top. Don't start boasting now, Gustav. <laughs> Afraid the mountain will hear me, Aunt Hitty? Well, the trail ain't finished yet. Don't be too sure. The men had only a few more hundred feet to go when I left them to come down here. Well, there are still things that can happen. Oh, Aunt Hitty, stop it. The mountain's been warning you ever since you started to work. That blizzard that come early and almost snowed you in, them rock slides out of nowhere, why men took sick mysteriously. That was the altitude. Running out of money. We've always managed to get more, a, a little at a time, and I'm sure we've got enough to, now to see us through. I mean, seems to me you made a contribution to the work yourself, didn't you, Aunt Hitty? Well, yeah, I, I didn't want to be the only person in Lone Pine who held out. It's been wonderful, the way everybody's helped. The, the women with their box socials and cake sales. They'll all be waiting for the news. Well, just keep watching the mountaintop.
You go into signal us. We've got huge bonfires ready. And I'm taking up fireworks this trip and dynamite. Enough to blow the top off the mountain. Be careful, somebody don't get blowed to kingdom come. I'll handle it myself. Oh, Gus, do be careful. Oh, don't worry, I will. But when that trail's finished, everybody in Lone Pine and up and down the Owens Valley is gonna know we made it. Well, the dynamite may start an avalanche. We'll be on top. I know. You're certainly doing your best to scare me, Aunt Hitty. <laughs> uh, it ain't that, Gus. It's just that I know that mountain, and there ain't any man has set himself against the mountain yet and come off winter. Hey, Gus, it was time we were starting. Uh, be right with you. Goodbye, Elizabeth. Take care of yourself, and don't let Aunt Hitty frighten you. I'll try not to, Gus, and do be careful. What's the matter, Gus? Huh? We're over the worst part of the trail. Why are you looking so worried? I can't hear the men working. Of course, they may have knocked off for a rest. Any real time yet? Uh, say, you suppose something's happened? I don't know. Hurry those mules along, Bert. <laughs> There's the boys now! Tom! Oscar! What's up? We are, Gus. Darn near. You've reached the top? There's only about half hours more work, Gus. We figured as long as the trail was your idea, you ought to be in off the finish. Well, I'm here now, boys. Let's go. Well, boys, the trail's finished. Thanks for waiting for me. Yeah. It, it gives me kind of a queer feeling in my stomach. Me too. I ought to feel like cheering. But instead, I feel like, well, I feel like crying. <laughs> Not me. Let's get on with the celebration, Gus. Just as soon as we plant the flag, Bert. Flag? Sure. You know any better place to fly the flag than from the top of the United States? There's a storm brewing, Gus. If we want to single the folks down below in Lone Pine, we'd better hurry up. All right, uh, get the rockets ready, boys. And the dynamite. They're all set, ready to touch off. Well, the bonfire's lighted. Boy, look at that pitch pine burn, will you? Folks down below will think Mount Whitney's turned into a volcano. Hurry up, that storm's coming quicker than we thought. Look at that lightning. Trying to compete with our fireworks, eh? And our dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, set off the rockets and the powder. Okay. Here they go! Can't tell which is the thunder and which is the dynamite. 
That was thunder, all right. Oh my God! Look at that storm's right here. It's coming in. Stop it! Stop it! Hey, it we better get back to camp, boys. This is a bad one. Hey! Oh! Oh! Go! Go! Leave! Out of here! Lord! That boat struck the top of the mountain. Are you all right, boys? It's moving over the west just now. The worst is over. Look! Lying there on the ground. Who's there? It's Bert Survey. Come on! Let's see what's the matter. Wait here. I'll, I'll see if... Dead? Yeah. Yeah. Poor Bert. Must have been killed instantly. Man against the mountain. And we thought we'd won. Make a stretcher, boys. We'll carry him down. Down the trail. The death of Bert Survey increased the superstitious dread of Mount Whitney. And again, Gustav Marsh had to inspire the people with enough courage and faith to continue work on the trail, always urging them on towards the goal of building an observatory at the summit. It is now the autumn of 1907, and the great crest of Whitney is still bare, except for the mounds of stones that hold the names of men who climbed the mountain for adventure only. From his house in Lone Pine, Marsh stares up at the summit more than two miles above him and talks to his wife. Another summer gone, Elizabeth, and still no further progress. Gustav, don't be discouraged. I'm not, really. But sometimes I, I can't help wondering if... Somewhere in this country, there must be men with the necessary vision in the brains and the money. Oh, I'm sure there are. If I just knew how to get in touch with them. Get in touch with who? Oh, hello, Aunt Hitty. Who are you trying to locate? Someone who'll make our dream come true. The observatory on Mount Whitney. Oh, you ain't still thinking about getting a telescope up there. I am. Well, you might as well give up the idea, Gustav, because it can never be done. On some mountains, maybe, but not on Whitney. How do you know? No one's ever tried. Oh, yes, they have. Who did? When? Oh, long time ago. Back around 1880, I think. When I was just a girl, some men from Washington come out here with a big telescope, got a bunch of soldiers to lug it up the mountain. The west slope, of course. They got partway up, then they come to a 200-foot precipice. So they turned around and went back on down. Some men from Washington, you say? Yeah, from the, uh, what do you call it? The Smith, the Smith... The Smithsonian Institution? That's it. The Smithsonian Institution? Of course, Aunt Hitty, I, I think you've given me the answer. I'll write them tonight. Well... Gentlemen, I hope you feel repaid for the climb. You say the summit is always clear of snow like this, Mr. Marsh? Oh, the year-round, Dr. Abbott. 
Amazing, at almost 15,000 feet. Yeah, the wind keeps it swept bare, even in the dead of winter. You don't think the wind would blow the observatory itself off, do you? <laughs> don't worry, sir. We'd guarantee to anchor it firmly to the mountain if the Smithsonian ever decided to build one there. There's no if about it, my friend. The matter has already been decided. What's your decision? My colleagues and I are strongly impressed with what we found here, Mr. Marsh. There's no doubt about it. This mountaintop offers unique conditions for scientific observation and research. You couldn't duplicate them anywhere. We're sending our findings on to Washington as soon as, well, as soon as we get down to Earth again, recommending that the Smithsonian Institution ask for funds for the building of an astronomical station on the summit of Mount Whitney. That's wonderful, Dr. Abbott. Immediately after that, we'll have plans drawn up and see about getting bids from builders. I, I can tell you right now, sir, whatever anyone else may bid, I'll underbid him. You're eager for the contract, aren't you, Mr. Marsh? Well, I started this, Dr. Abbott, and I'd like to finish it. If that's the last thing I ever do, I want the job of building the observatory here on Whitney. You realize the difficulties, I'm sure. Well, I ought to. I've been up and down this trail more, well, more than any other living man, I guess. In the condition the trail's in now, I'd say that was impossible. I agree with you, Professor. But the trail can be repaired, I'll guarantee it. There's one more stipulation, Mr. Marsh, perhaps the most important of all. The matter of time. Yes? The observatory must be completed and ready for use by September 1st of next year. September 1st? Not a day later. There are conditions which will exist on that date, you see, astronomical conditions, which won't occur again for another 13 years. We'll want to take advantage of them to make observations from here. I understand. If you could meet that deadline. I can, sir. You sound very confident, Mr. Marsh. When a man wants something as much as I wanted this, he has to try. And I'll, I'll have the station ready, gentlemen, by September 1st of next year. You are listening to Chester Marsh as Gustav Marsh in Man Against the Mountain on the Cavalcade of America, sponsored by the DuPont Company, maker of better things for better living through chemistry. Oh, okay, here we are, okay. Uh, all right, uh, Toto, doesn't look like we're in Lone Pine anymore, huh? It's okay. All our dials and switches and lights are on and blinking and working, so, so that's good. Thanks, guys. All right, we gotta get ready for some community news here in a little bit, but first we gotta tell you radio fans, you're listening to 88.9 kpbglive.com over the interweb. We're broadcasting tonight from the historic Alpine Elementary School Auditorium here on East Pear Blossom Highway in lovely Little Rock, California. So this is what we call in the business live remote. Not that Little Rock is any more remote than Lone Pine, our regular home. <laughs> it's a great looking little school though. Gotta tell you, it's mission style, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Everything's all arched and tiled and stuccoed. Looks like Lone Pine's Lo Inyo Elementary School. So we're feeling right at home. Now, the Owens Valley and the Antelope Valley have a lot in common, starting with the word valley in both our names. <laughs> and that extends to a decided love affair with sagebrush and 
dead dying weeds, which we call native plants. <laughs> Plus, I think we both all have an absolute infatuation with wind gusts and dust storms. We love them. Seriously, though, you got a poppy preserve exploding with color in the spring in the Owens Valley. We've got wildflowers all over the place. Both of our deserts bloom. In other words, you have to pay for yours, so maybe we win the wildflower war. Anyway, next up, it also seems that someone besides us locals brought in a gang of smelly men to both our valleys to build a big water ditch through our backyards. The LA Aqueduct and the California Aqueduct. So we both look at sagebrush and dust and dirt while watching millions of gallons of water flow right past. Seems like they did it just to tantalize us colonists. Go ahead and get your Google machine out and look up Tantalus. Get the source of that. Here's a hint. Greet God and water, water everywhere, but not a drop to drink. So, Bill, what do you got? Another big similarity we share is that both look south and wince and grimace. Owens Valley sees the Los Angeles Department of Water and Power, the valley's landlord for the past hundred years, whose first goal is running Sierra snowmelt into the LA Aqueduct. The Antelope Valley sees absentee elected officials, satellite offices, general neglect, unless, of course, LA County needs a place <clears throat> to stick a jail, a bullet train, a paroled sex offender, or wants to train the staff in how to tear down artistic combs because of code violations. Yow, okay. <laughs> now. <laughs> Jeez. All right, well, now, now that we've all shared a little warm and fuzzy feeling, um, we, we can break up the hug fest and pay some bills around here. So these are, this is an ad, so you need to listen up. The Elevation Outdoor Store in Lone Pine, right at the stoplight, it's the only stoplight in town. It has serious gear for serious climbers and a complete selection of We'll Save Your Bacon equipment, gloves, boots, hats, and coats for you not-so-serious hikers, walkers, and whiners who found out going 14,508 feet up Mount Whitney in a pair of flip-flops, shorts, and a tank top probably wasn't the best idea you've ever had. Elevation can also provide a local rock-solid guide to take you to the top of the tallest peak, the lower 48, and get you back down. Elevation, we like it higher. It might not look like it now, but Little Rock and the AV have a rich history of growing and shipping all sorts of fruits and vegetables. Hey, it's called the Pear Blossom Highway for a reason. Plus, how many SoCal communities still have a grange and a grange hall? That's assignment number two for you Googling kids. What's a grange? And if you need more proof, check out the historic farmer's market display outside. Little Rock is working hard to bring that ag history back to life by creating a sustainable community garden and a certified farmer's market. Moldy Marvin, also known as Jeffrey Hillinger, Little Rock Town Councilman, is on the case with CJ's Organic Farm. Look up the Southeast Antelope Valley Certified Farmer's Market. Check your Facebook page for updates. Now we have a little drought update. It seems the drought means that brown is the new black. So. <laughs> Let's consider these drought suggestions from Owens Valley, where Mary Austin famously called us the Long Brown Land. 
and where we've been without water for a hundred years, thanks to DWP. So first off, just quit taking showers. Use the money you save on water to buy some deodorant. Second, don't let the kids take a shower either. Just put them on the lawn and hose them down about twice a week. It's about all they need. They'll just run around the summer and get stinky, so... Eh. The bonus of that project is that might be all the water your lawn needs, since the goal here is to make it not quite brown and barely green. The added bonus? Since grass won't grow, you don't have to mow. Wow. Now that's a slogan I think I can sell to the DWP marketing department. Maybe not. Okay, take that a step further. Stop watering the lawn all together, let the grass die and the weeds take over, and just call it a water-wise native plant landscape, and call it a day, and sell your lawnmower. The LA County nuisance abatement team that we all know about, called NAT, because they bug everyone, has been enlisted to make sure everybody is cutting their water use by 35% because of the drought. Knowing how they work, they are probably bugging your shower and toilet, and boom, after one 10-minute shower or two double flushes, they'll be knocking on your door to rip out that water-wasting toilet. So if you see a black helicopter searching the neighborhood, a big black SUV full of men in black combat uniforms, don't worry, it's not the United Nations, it's just the LA County NAT team looking for illegal toilet flushers. Talk about swatting the NAT. Wow, thanks, Bill. Well, now that we're all feeling flush, <laughs> we can get back to our little radio drama here on 88.9 KPPGlive.com, broadcasting from the lovely Alpine Elementary School in Little Rock, California. So, onward to the big finale of Man Against the Mountain. of Lone Pine, California, were afraid of Mount Whitney until Gustav Marsh overcame their superstitions and persuaded them to build with their own hands a trail up the unscaled eastern slope of the mountain. With the trail completed, Gustav was forced to mark time for three years until the representatives of the Smithsonian Institution traveled out to Mount Whitney and inspected the site on which he proposed to build an observatory. When they accepted his site, and his bid for the building of the observatory, he was elated. But now that the first flush of excitement has passed, Gustav realizes the tremendous difficulties still to be faced and conquered. Maybe I was crazy, Elizabeth, to say I could do it. You've got a year. I've got exactly two months. Till next September? Two working months. It'll be next July before we can tackle the trail. I'm up there above the timberline and if you could see the shape it's in. Very bad. Oh, it'll have to be entirely rebuilt in some places. Widened the whole way. There's a season's work in itself. If you put enough men to work with on it, hire a big crew. I would, if I had the money. Won't the Smithsonian? The Smithsonian's financing the observatory, but the work on the trail is my responsibility. That was the agreement. Oh. Two months, 60 days. 
The folks of Lone Pine turned to and helped before. Perhaps they'll help again. After what happened to Bert's survey? They're more superstitious than ever about this mountain. It's their mountain, though, Gus. Don't forget that. The biggest, the most important thing in their lives. Call them together and tell them what you've undertaken, and I'm sure they'll back you up. Elizabeth Marsh was right. When Gustav took his problem to the people of Lone Pine, they backed him again, and the work began. But, just as before, the mountain was against them. Avalanches. Snowdrifts. Fatiguing altitude. Snow blindness. I can't see! <laughs> All nature seemed united in an effort to defeat Gustav Marsh in his battle against the mountain. Then, on August 15, 1909, with the trail completed and the astronomical station half erected, Mount Whitney struck its final crushing blow. Hey, there's a storm a-coming. It's gonna be a butte, too. Look at that lightning. All right, boys, grab up those tools and get in the shelter. Shelter nothing. I'm getting down off this mountain. Me too. After what happened to Bert's survey, you ain't catching me up here. Let's go, boys. Come on. Hey, We're going. Hey, wait a minute. You're not all of you leaving. Yeah, you bet. We're going. See ya. We know when we're licked, Gus. If you don't, we ain't coming back. This, this storm won't last long. It's, it, it'll all be over in a few minutes. Yeah, over for who? Yeah, who's gonna be the next victim this time? Not me, by gosh. Not if I can help it. <laughs> me either. Hey, come back here. You can't quit like this. There's a job to be done here, and precious little time to do it in. Yeah. Do you hear me? You, you've only a couple of weeks left. We need every man, every pair of hands. It was your idea. You finish it. A little bit of hell. Little bit of hell. Throw your money down the wishing well. You go up, maybe you'll go down. Maybe bad luck follows you around. And you left him up there on that mountain all alone? He didn't have to stay. He could have come down if he chose to. Well, you deserted him, the whole bunch of you. When he needed you most, you cowards. You ought to be ashamed of yourselves. That storm was aiming at us in both barrels, Aunt Eddie. The man's got his own lot to think of, after all. You know how that mountain can act. It's how you act that matters. How you stand up to it. But... If that job ain't done up there, if that observatory ain't finished in time, two weeks from now, you realize what's gonna mean? Well... 
It ain't just gonna be Gustav Marsh who'll lose out. It's all of us, every man, woman, and child in this town. Putting that trail up there, having a hand in building that observatory is the biggest thing Lone Pond has ever done. And you're doing your best to spoil that chance. Throwing away all your work and all our money. Aunt Hitty, I thought you was the one who was afraid of the mountain. Not anymore, I ain't. I'm too mad to be afraid of anything except that you won't get that job done. So get up there, all of you. Go on back and make up for lost time if it ain't already too late. Fireproof and earthquake proof. Those were the specifications and it looks as though we filled them. I guess there's nothing you've overlooked, Gus. Except the payroll. <laughs> and you'll get that. Look, you don't owe us anything. Not a cent. What about the last 10 days you've worked? We're giving those to you to make up for the time we walked out on you. Gosh, I'll never forget how I felt coming back and finding you working up here, single-handed. Well, you came back, and that's all that matters. Here's Lewis, with the pack train. Hi, Lewis. Hi. Say, who do you think I passed coming up the trail? Who? Them fellers from the Smithsonian, a whole party of them. Telescopes and all. Where are they? They're camping at Pine Lake, 5,000 feet below us overnight. They'll be here, <clears throat> be here at the summit tomorrow. Let them come. We're ready for them. It's all done? The Mount Whitney Astronomical Station is finished. And 24 hours ahead of time, too. seen your garden looking so lovely in years as it does this summer, Gustav. This is the first summer he's had any time to devote to it. He's been so busy up to now on the mountain. Well, we get a great many visitors now, but I let the town boys take them up. Yes, it does seem that the old sleepy days are over. And a good thing, too. What? Well, time this valley did wake up, become a part of the world. We got something to offer that nobody else has got, and we ought to realize it. The mountain? Of course. I don't mean just for scientists who are carrying on experiments, but for plain folks and the others who've come here, folks who want to climb and hunt and fish. You're right, Aunt Hitty. This is the place for them to take off from, to get themselves outfitted and find themselves guides. Why, the boys of Lone Pine, Lord knows, they know the mountain like nobody else. I'll say so. I can see the time a-coming when it'll be the way a lot of them will make a living. Summers, guiding parties up the mountains. Can't you picture what it'd mean to the stores here, the grub they'd sell, and the fish and tackle, and the camp equipment? You'll be organizing a chamber of commerce next, Aunt Hitty. Well, there should be some kind of headquarters where folks can get information about pack trains and such. Aunt Hitty, I never thought I'd hear you talk like this. 
You who've always been so superstitious about the mountain. Well, a body's only superstitious about things he, he don't understand, Elizabeth. Things that are so big, he's afraid of them. Whitney's still the biggest mountain in the United States, Aunt Hitty. But it's working for us now, instead of against us. <sighs> I only wish I could get up to the top. But I'm afraid I'm just too old. I wouldn't be surprised if someday there'd be a road that built at least part of the way up for all those automobiles that are coming along. Someday, aeroplanes will be flying over its summit, frightening the eagles. And we can look up from this garden and say to ourselves, it was us who did it, the folks of Lone Pine. We conquered the mountain. Fire on the mountain, lightning in the air. Gold in them hills and it's We conquered the mountain. That phrase would be a good title for a study of material progress in America. Americans like Gustav Marsh, men who see more than what is directly before their eyes, have always been somehow able to make their visions over into actuality, ahead of time and beyond expectation. Often, like Marsh, those men have needed the cooperation of their communities, and then they have proved their gift for firing people up with some degree of their own enthusiasm. This is due partly to the kind of people they have had to deal with. Americans who are daring and venturesome, strong and hardworking, generous, and above all, community-minded. From such qualities come observatories and steel mills and laboratories and community chess ahead of time and ahead of the rest of the world. And now, Here's Gane Whitman speaking for DuPont. At the DuPont Company, we began to make sponges of cellulose a few years ago because we believe chemistry would do a better job of sponge making than nature. DuPont chemical sponges drink up plenty of water, live a long, hard life, absorb many times their dry weight, and still float. Come in convenient shapes, stay clean, and can be boiled, if you like, for days without doing them any harm. These many uses with manufacturers have found for DuPont sponges illustrate an even more important point of our American competitive system. Just giving an American businessman something to work with. Set his imagination free. Give him a chance to make a fair profit. Turn him loose, and he'll do the rest. He'll come up with something of greater service to enough people so that they will want it. DuPont cellulose sponges, depending on size and texture, sell from 20 cents to a dollar and a half. They are a product of chemical science, the chemistry that brings you the DuPont companies. Better things for better living through chemistry. Wow, old Gaines pretty impressed with his sponges, eh? <laughs> Bet his head has exploded if you told him about a vacuum. <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening to the IU Players presenting uh, Man Against the Mountain on 88.9kppglive.com. 
Before we sign off for the afternoon, we just got a couple more public service announcements. Bill, what you got? The Antelope Valley Truckers Organization, not just idling, they're picking up speed, efforts to educate and agitate the local populace. Rumor has it that the next fundraising event will involve the mayors of Lancaster and Palmdale in a singing competition called The Vice. Uh, no, The Voice. <laughs> um, they were looking for an elected official in LA County, but repeated calls to numerous representatives, including 5th District Supervisor Mike Antonovich, Sheriff Jim McDonald, Assessor Jeffrey Prang, were answered with a huffy voice declaring, Little Rock, why in the world are you calling Los Angeles from Arkansas, you bumpkin? Oh well, <laughs> we tried. Rough duty out here, isn't it? It's terrible. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> so meanwhile, back in Lone Pine, the May fundraiser slash donation list just came out, so we're going to read it as a public service and as a warning. Okay, first there's a quilt raffle benefiting the Lone Pine Film Festival, and I kid you not, she's got the stuff everywhere. There's a silent <laughs> auction for the future Farmers of America kids. Oh yeah, nice try, but let me tell you, donating or buying something at the silent auction does not, repeat, does not get you out of buying a goat, duck, <laughs> chicken, or lamb at the FAA 4-H auction this summer, so just stop squealing and pony up some money. Yeah, oh, hogs will also be available. Then there's a chamber mixer, no donation, no booze, fundraiser for the Film History Museum, and a huge bake sale for the Healthy Communities Kids programs. So, if you come to Lone Pine in May, make sure to bring a handful of $5 bills because you're going to get hit up repeatedly. Lone Pine, building community five bucks at a time. <laughs> Our little town. All right, that's pretty much a wrap. Hope you enjoyed our little radio drama. This is 88.9 kppglive.org or .com over the Internet from the lovely Alpine School in Little Rock, California. But before we sign off, let's throw the show to our patient, talented, handsome director, Chris Langley. I get a dollar for calling me for our cast and crew. John Klusmeyer, Renaissance man who played the announcer, Oscar, Hillstead, and wrote and performed many of the commercials. Victor Silvas, who played Campbell while balancing a guitar on his knee. Jesse Steele braving the winds and fighting cold on Whitney as our local hero. Mary Winchester, the sweetest, prettiest little wife any mountain conqueror can want. Jeannie Smith, the somewhat imperturbable and Minnie, who does one mean Raymond And Bill Gill from Little Rock reading local feisty commercials of note. who didn't mind when struck by lightning as first. <laughs> Deborah Levin is Abbott, the scientific class, not afraid of rocking. Our 
creative Foley artist bringing you Bill Clops and much more, Jude Greenberg and Lou Whitman. And our wonderful music department, Sandy Anderson and Victor Silvis. Director Manuel Ruiz again, uh, many, uh, wearing many hats. And producer Rochelle Fred, working for Lauren Bond in the Metabolic Orchestra uh, Studio, yeah. who kept us sane and somewhat focused on work at hand. Chris Langley recreating this radio play for my wife Sandy, who directed the play last June and then passed away, unfortunately, in January. Thank you.